When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Sammy James. Normally, this is your weekly natter all about Fulham Football Club, but given the exceptional circumstances of Fulham in the playoffs, uh, we've made it bi-weekly for the immediate future. Very exciting times for Fulhamish indeed. Uh, you join us at the home of football, the beautiful Craven Cottage. Uh, we're currently sat in the Hammersmith End uh, recording this preview to the Reading game, which is this Saturday as the Championship playoffs start in earnest at 5.30, a tea time kickoff as Fulham look to get their place back in the Premier League. We'll be hosting the Royals of Reading and tonight I'm joined by three nobles of the podcasting world. Farrell Monk is here. Good afternoon, everyone. Don Betts is here for hello, a little hello. while. Yeah, I'll be gone soon. Might need a passport, so. <laughs> and Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. How are you all doing? How exciting is this? Beautiful. Really the, pi- nice. the pitch is getting moan at the moment, and just think about all of those passes and goals we're going to see this weekend. All those passes that Tom Kearney is going to make with his left foot. I think, feel like I'm being interviewed by Sean Davis. And we used to do these interviews in the Hammersmith end. Oh, he did indeed. He did indeed. Well, um, as I said, that tea time clash is fast approaching. Uh, always great time of day to play football. I always think Saturday at five thirty. Uh, Farrell, I'll start with you. How do you reckon Saturday's atmosphere is going to compare with some of the great cottage matches of the past? I think it's going to be absolutely electric here. Well, at least I bloody well hope so, <laughs> uh, considering su- such a huge match it is. Um, we've just been talking extensively about the playoffs and, and how excited and our emotions going into this one. I, 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 do, I, do, feel, I do feel slightly nervous about it because I, I feel like this might be the last chance Fulham will have get a chance to go into the playoffs um, if we don't go through this year for a long long time so I hope the the crowd really get behind the boys because they're going to be looking they're going to be looking to us to really going to lift them if there are if we are going to get past this Reading team. Uh, Don we know how much you like an away day normally uh, but what are your feelings ahead of this big home match on Saturday? I mean I think the way we've played against Reading in both games and even if you look at the game was postponed we played relatively well I mean, I know we lost the away game, but that was because we couldn't take a penalty, as, as always. <laughs> and, um, and and obviously, in that when we played Reading, we were trying a three-at-the-back system at the time, which never really worked. I think it worked for about a game. So I think if we just if we just focus on our game, uh, we can get a comfortable win, I think, 3-1 maybe, because I think we don't really need to focus on their game as much. We can just play our game. We know we're the best footballing side in the division, so... If we just do what we're good at, we should be winning the game quite comfortably on Saturday. Jack, it's a very new experience for us as fans. Fulham haven't been in the playoffs in, well, decades. 20 years. 20 years, exactly. Uh, but for the lots of the Fulham players as well, they haven't experienced playoffs, obviously not with Fulham, but not many of them even with their former clubs either. Uh, Sonia Luco may be a small exception to that. How do you think they'll be feeling ahead of Saturday right now? I think it's important to remember that there are a lot of players in this team that, while well, they haven't played in the playoffs, have played in massive matches in their career, in in games with you know massive major significances to the teams they've you know played. And 
obviously I'm going to single out Stefan Johansson here who's <laughs> played in four old firms and you know Scottish Cup finals Scottish you know League Cup finals there are big games and big stadiums that bring out the best in big players and you know Johansson's record in those games is you know perfectly perfectly good and he's he's always done you know reasonably well in those games so I think it's important to not forget that just because we haven't necessarily been through this exact scenario before that these players aren't new to big games and they will have all faced you know certain levels of big games but yeah there's pressure in terms of it's almost like a mini cup competition and it's a bit odd to start a cup competition in the semi-finals if, if you will and especially against you know teams that you know and play often so it's an interesting one in in, in that respect but I think that ultimately if we're behind everyone at, at the weekend and this place really you know lifts and really kicks off in the Saturday afternoon sunset by the Thames then we are <laughs> you know we're perfectly placed to execute a game plan which has bamboozled a lot of teams this season and I think that even if something does go wrong we have the ability to make things happen and Dom speaking of game plan how do you think Slab's going to approach the first leg do you think he's going to go for an early goal is he going to maybe sit back and soak some pressure for 10 minutes or do you think he's going to build on the atmosphere that the Fulham fans are going to create and he's going to say go out there no fear first 20 minutes and try and blow Reading out the water early doors I reckon the early goal is something he's going to want to go for just to make everyone sort of relax a bit because if it's a nil-nil at half time everyone's going to be getting quite nervous because a lot of fans want not the ties to be wrapped up to us to have quite a comfortable lead going into the second leg and I don't think away goals count in the playoffs so it's not like oh we need to score like two or three goals ourselves and make sure we don't concede I think but I do think we need to start the game on the front foot because sometimes we we've sort of kept possession for a while and not actually directly attacked the opponent but I think against a, a team like Reading I know I know they like to have the ball but they're not just going to sit back so I think there will be a lot of chances for us to uh, go ahead quite early on I would I would expect absolutely nothing less from this Fulham team that we aren't going to go out there and at and go for it. We've seen, especially in the second half of the year, pretty much ever since we pointed out that Fulham don't score in the first half an hour, to Fulham scoring in, in the first half an hour for absolute fun. Um, <laughs> and you can you can imagine Slavita's going, look, let's play the way that uh, we know we can play, where we're going to go out, win the ball as much as possible, get forward as much as possible, get bodies in the box, go for goal as much as possible, and get that early goal and get as many goals as possible. Also, Reading aren't known for their goal-scoring prowess this season. I know they got four at the weekend, but that was against a, a Burton Albion side that seemed to already be on the beach. And I think that we will come out as a blitz. And I think that kind of like wide attacking kind of threat that we pose... Um, especially with the overlap of the fullbacks, is going to be a major feature at the very start of the game and, and onwards. Well, I mean, they've scored less and conceded more than us this season. So there's no reason why there couldn't be a similar repeat of the home game that we had them early on in the season. We beat them 5-0. Although our away record is very, very impressive, we would like to get most of the business done here and then the pressure is off us at the Medeski and that would really suit us actually if we went into the away leg I know it sounds obvious to say with an advantage because we can then soak up the pressure hit them on the break and I feel like if we're not chasing the game at the Medeski we're in a really great position then uh, it's it's quite it's quite good you point that out because Reading seem to have this this odd record well it's not that odd but their record against the the uh, top six teams is very very wavering at home they tend to sort of win 2-1 3-1 but the away leg they've they've lost 4 and 5-0 really I mean Fulham is just one example where we beat them 5-0 at home and then we lost 1-0 away 
Um, I think the only one they actually got a good result against uh, was Sheffield Wednesday when they actually won 2-1 away at Hillsborough. Whereas uh, even against Huddersfield, they I think they lost 4-0 away from home, but won 2-1 at home. So I think you hit the nail on the head. We want to get this business done early. We want to go there with, well, I mean, it's nice to say let's go there with a 3-0 lead. But, yes, it would, of course. It, but you would hope to go there with at least a 2-0 lead because Reading are going, they are good at, they are good at home. We saw this... Um, when we played them, we were in full flow at the time for the, the replayed away leg of, of, the, of that game. That for large periods of the game, and for it was the first time in a long time that Reading actually dominated us and passed it around us, even though we were trying to trying to win it back for them. And that's not from Fulham playing, playing badly. That was Reading playing well. Obviously, there were circumstances in the game where we missed a few chances, we missed a penalty, but they had quite a lot of chances, and that, not just passing around. They they did something that a lot of teams haven't done to us this season, which was pump the ball over the top yeah. for their fast strikers they they mugged us off a bit through the middle of that game because we played that odd system as Don mentioned before where we were trying that sort of three at the back with the two two flying wing backs which actually weirdly enough limited us in terms of our options through the middle um, because obviously the extra player coming out of the attacking thing we looked like we didn't have a pivot in the middle and then we lost kind of our fulcrum and they ran straight through the middle of us a lot that day. And I think that we've learned our lessons from that kind of error. Yes, we've been susceptible to balls over the top and we've been susceptible with them all year and that's nothing new. But we look like we're less shaky these days and I think we're going to come out and absolutely dominate at the weekend. Right, well, we're going to hear a little bit more about Reading in just a moment. Uh, Dom has got to leave us. Uh, he has to get a new passport for reasons that I'm not going to quiz you on. I'm sure you've got your genuine motives for off to get a new passport. Yeah, I've, I'm going on holiday next Friday, so that might help. <laughs> I thought you needed a new passport for Reading. You don't need that, by the way. Uh, you've done so many aways this season that your passport's got full of stamps. Yeah, <laughs> everywhere. What's your prediction uh, ahead of... Uh, not just this game, but also Tuesday's semi-final as well. Before I think you head off. Saturday, it's going to be a tough game, a lot tougher than the home game was here early in the season. But I think if we go out, not all guns blazing to an extent, but go out and attack Reading in the first 20 minutes, half an hour, I think we can get a comfortable win here, and I'm going to predict 3-1 to Fulham brilliant well uh, as i said we will touch much more on reading in just a moment with a big preview of them but first let's hear uh, from a guy called ali he runs the not the top 20 podcast which is an absolute essential uh, for you you must be subscribed to not the top 20 podcast it's an absolutely brilliant listen uh, he offers a bit more of a neutral perspective on the playoffs uh, and jack and i started off by asking him if he'd have been surprised to see this playoff lineup when the season started. I'm very surprised, to be honest with you guys. Um, there were a number of, quote-unquote, big teams coming down from the Premier League. There were also, quote-unquote, sleeping giants lurking in the championship already <laughs> who we thought might sort of crack on. And I, I'm not going to pretend that we predicted what's come from yourselves, your good selves in Fulham, and also from Reading. In fact, in our pre-season previews, we had both of you firmly in the bottom half. Um, it, it seems ridiculous now, given what's happened over the last nine months. But, you know, maybe it was a bit, maybe it was a bit basic of us. But we looked, we saw the, the departures of McCormack and Dembele. And as so many have said over the last nine months, we, we didn't see this transformation. We didn't predict quite how much of an effect Jokanovic would have on the playing style and how much of an effect these fairly unknown signings, I'm sure you guys will agree, 
um, you know, particularly from what we were told was a data-driven approach. You're never quite sure how that's going to go in this <laughs> yeah. English championship where anyone can beat anyone and you've got to know the league, etc. Um, so certainly from Fulham's point of view, very surprised. From Reading's point of view, hugely surprised. Who knew what to expect from Yapstam? We knew what he was like as a player. I don't think how many... I don't think we could have predicted what he's been like as a manager. And, of course, um, who else have we got? Well, we've got Sheffield Wednesday, not such a surprise, and Huddersfield Town. Now, I will take some credit with that. George and I, my co-host on Not the Top 20, we we were impressed with the work that David Wagner had done in, in the second half of last season, and we were impressed with the moves that they had made over the summer. Although, again, fairly unknown, unproven championship players. They'd gone for... Um, high character guys, a lot of defenders from Germany, which we decided was a good thing yeah. and has proven to be. So all in all, uh, very, very surprised, I have to say. I think there's something interesting in, in what you said, the two surprise packages in, in that respect, being Fulham and Reading, who play extremely different styles of football. And, you know, it's it's interesting to kind of consider that, you know, some people say, oh, the championship, there's there's one way of doing it, or, you know, the, the, the way of doing it is bringing in those kind of, you know, players that have done it before. And, you know, you can see that in Sheffield Wednesday's approach a bit, you know, the likes of Rhodes and, and Winnell, who was obviously banging in goals at this level. But Fulham and Reading as surprise packages are two very different terms stylistically and both have, have done very well and earned themselves, you know, rightful places in these top six. I mean, definitely. I think actually what's most exciting for me about this whole playoff uh, few weeks is is that all four teams have very definitive and different styles and, and you know, Fulham fans are, are clearly enjoying what Slavisa Jukanovic has put in place there. And actually the rest of the league has slowly but surely come around to, to grudgingly accepting quite how good the football's been. Um, and Reading, in their own way, in the, is, it, is it a sort of Dutch style of play? Is it a little bit Spanish based on ball retention? Um, it's, it's certainly not something we've seen very much at this level before. Uh, Huddersfield, with David Wagner, came in with the... I mean, maybe it's a bit reductive just to shout Gagan pressing, but, you know, it's not completely off the mark. A very a very high-intensity style play from them and pressing high up the pitch, trying to win the ball there. And then Sheffield Wednesday, much more, despite their foreign manager, of a, of a standard English football league team, I would say. A team based on experience and, and strength and uh, essentially a 4-4-2, which, uh, which compared to the other teams in the playoffs seems a, a little bit sort of uh, a little bit standard, but has has worked for them very well with the players that they've got. So you're absolutely right. It's, that's what's most exciting for me about the, the, the upcoming playoffs is the difference of styles shown by all teams. And how surprised were you, Ali, about Leeds dropping out of the playoffs? I mean, what a dreadful run in April they had. And I know all the teams in the playoffs have uh, enjoyed it quite a lot to see uh, their demise. But it's been quite unbelievable for a team that was so solid throughout the rest of the season to see them drop was it four they only got four out of 18 in april yes absolutely and you know from from your point of view as fulham fans i can't remember the exact points difference but i believe you made up 11 or 13 yeah, 11 points, points. Uh, 11 points over Leeds since that last international break and it sounds like a lot, but bef even before then, we were talking about Fulham as the team who were lurking, as the team who were who were sort of the sharks, really circling underneath any team that were going to drop out. And actually, you know, I've been, I don't really want to badmouth Leeds. I think they massively overachieved, and I don't think that 
certainly the manager Gary Monk should should be in any way um, disparaged for for falling slightly below the standards that he set himself at club who had previously had very low standards at management level and low standards at playing level as well. Um, what I've been most impressed about, if anything, uh, looking at the positives, which I tried to, is the fact that we all thought Reading were going to fall away. They ended up finishing third, you know, with this very strange season that they've had, constantly being told that, that they don't necessarily deserve to be there by, by ourselves as well on our podcast, and I'm sure by a number of opposition teams and fans who have just been baffled by how Reading continued to pick up points. Uh, but they have done, uh, and Huddersfield as well, there were wobbles there. Sheffield Wednesday, they didn't really seem to click until the last 10 games of the season. So, yes, to an extent, I was surprised about Leeds, but w- we always knew that you guys were lurking. And I think that, you know, what's more in, what's more surprising to me was that it was only Leeds, if you will, who really fell off a cliff. Because there's always going to be teams like that every season who overperform and through inexperience, through injuries, whatever Leeds' excuses are, you know, it's always going to happen. And, and, and thankfully for fans of good football, uh, it was your good selves that, that punched your way in in the end. I was on um, BBC Berkshire earlier, I know, mic drop, uh, talking That's to some Reading fans, and uh, they were very aggrieved at how their team seems to have been underestimated in the playoffs and how everyone's writing them off, and they did seem a little bit bitter about it. But I've listened to you guys speak about Reading and we've also spoken about how Reading have overachieved and I know Jack you've mentioned it a couple of times. Well it was the point and I was I was talking actually on Twitter to, to George about this uh, the weekend because he was it was someone saying oh statistically you know statistics mean nothing but uh, you know ultimately like if you look at those the performance indicators and Reading aren't you know the, the team that should be, you know, statistically where they are, and yet they seem to be. And there was a lot of sort of debate over whether can you be lucky for, you know, an entire forty-six game season. And and the kind of general consensus is no. But you know, everything statistically screams that Reading shouldn't be have won as many games as they have. I sort of stand in between all of this. George is very much the numbers man between us, and I am a, a subscriber to it as well. I love the work done by, for example, Ben Mayhew yeah. of Experimental 361, who does an incredible job sort of gathering football league data when no other major company is really doing it. And he, he's released a lot of stuff over the last 24 hours, um, you know, in response to the end of the championship season. And uh, and in talking about Reading, he, you know, he says himself, this is incredibly rare. You don't see teams sustain what is essentially bottom half shot data, I guess, if, if you wanted to give it a specific name. Yeah. But he also does recognise, and I think this is worth mentioning as well in their defence, is that there are, you know, only the, the, only the real data heads, you know, swear by it 100%. And Ben says, you know, he says himself, there are other ways where, where teams can, can beat the data, so to speak. It's incredibly rare, and that's why we've been probably too negative about Reading, the third-place team, let's not forget. Um, he said, you know, it's possible that that they have been incredibly well-drilled, that they are incredibly well-organised and disciplined, and that has helped them. Um, he said that, uh, well, we've mentioned before that one of the things that can, again, sort of beat the shot data is players with, uh, with exceptional skill in, in certain regards. And, you know, the Reading fans have have been shouting about how 
uh, what is it, form is temporary, class is Kermorgant. And <laughs> while, it, while it sounds ridiculous, because Jan Kermorgant, he, he's nothing new. We've seen him in the Football League for years, but it seems like this season uh, he's really taken his game to the next level. And it is true to an extent, if we're talking about numbers, that they win a lot of games by one goal. A lot of times the goal is scored by Kermogant. And it's things like headers. It's things like high-difficulty shots from outside the box, free kicks, these sort of goals that he's been scoring. And then, of course, there's a huge amount of luck involved as well. But, you know, I think that's the whole point of football, isn't it? It would be crazy if their fans were saying, oh, gosh, how have we got to third place? You know, you've, yeah. got, to, you've got to believe in yourself. And, and actually, another interesting thing about this playoff picture is that every team is trying to claim themselves as underdogs. No one wants to be known as the favourites. And, uh, and Reading are going to try and use that as a tool to, to motivate themselves. Just as a quick one, you know, we've seen across the, the data that Reading especially have, have won a lot of games at home by, you know, a single margin mm. and their record against the top 12 is, is away from home is dreadful. Um, mm. But Fulham's away record is far superior to their home record. Mm. And I think it makes it interesting. We were going to discuss what kind of, is it an advantage to be playing away second almost because that's where, you know, Fulham's best performances of the season have come. I think for I think for Fulham, really you've got such a you've got such a way of taking the game to the opposition that you know without obviously I'm not a football manager and and perhaps this is naive but I think you've got to back yourselves both away from home given your very good um, performances this season and also at home because even if your if your home results have been slightly less or slightly worse than your away results you've still got to think you know that that's, that has to be an advantage in some extent. And uh, that's what I think is interesting. You're right. Reading's form away from home and their record away from home against the big teams this season is, I mean, it's sort of exceptional in how bad it's been. And unfortunately, I haven't yet had the hours to, to research previous teams, perhaps, who have made the playoffs while basically beating everyone in the bottom half, home and away, but yeah. with this terrible record that they have against the top half. And it'd be interesting to see if, if, if anyone can research that how they tend to end up doing. And, you know, the assumption would be probably not very well. In terms of home uh, and away advantage, I think it's very difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, set pieces in the playoffs, that's a big thing for me. And whether you're home, whether you're away, if you can, if you can produce a good delivery in the first half hour of any playoff game, first leg, uh, and nick a goal, then, then none of that particular... Well, it changes everything, so... Uh, I'm not going to stick my neck out on the line and say that that that's going to make a, a huge deal, but of course they do have a they do seem much more comfortable at home. Probably a shrewd move there, Ali. So I'm going to get you though to stick your neck out a little bit. But first, I'm going to go to the other semi-final in the playoffs: uh, Huddersfield facing Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday have the second leg at Hillsborough. Who do you think is more likely to come through out of those two and book themselves? a place at Wembley to face, hopefully Fulham or maybe Reading. This is a fascinating one, really. Uh, as I said, this is two teams with very different styles. Uh, two, Sheffield Wednesday won both of the matches in this sort of regular season and come in on really hot form with experienced pros, with experience of reaching the playoff final last year and, and the sort of motivation I suppose that comes with, with trying to right some wrongs from that and Huddersfield a team that we have 
well that we've really loved, uh, had a real soft spot for all season. Um, I think their poor form going into the playoffs is possibly slightly overblown. Uh, we all know about the, the rotation scandal, rotate gate. Um, <laughs> and um, and I, I don't, I'm not going to put a huge amount of, of importance on the various teams' form heading into this. I do think, however, that there's an interesting thing to look at when it comes to the playoffs. When it comes to, it's not a shootout, but it is two games and then one game. And I think that there is something to be said for strength of character, in inverted commas, all these sort of intangibles. And um, there's just something about that Sheffield Wednesday team, whether or not they play the best football, that, that says to me they have the options in attack, they have the experience in midfield. Barry Bannon is a player that I think has been one of the best in the league this season, and they have the experience at the back as well. I do feel that Sheffield Wednesday will be making the player final again. Their array of attacking talent is is somewhat exceptional for for, for this mm-hmm. level, and and the six they have up front is potentially one of the scariest things I think about the playoffs. But mm-hmm. if we're going to give you a get your sticky neck out again, Ali Fulham or Reading? It's Fulham for me. Uh, it, it's very difficult unless you're trying to be obviously controversial or you are a Reading fan to 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 say anything different. I genuinely believe that. I have reservations about the way that Fulham set up and the way that they play. Uh, and I'm sure you guys have been over it before because there was a reason you didn't make the playoffs until late on in the season. There were some teething issues and the the way that those centre backs get isolated at the back, you know, when when there's quick counter attacks, yep. really does worry me. Luckily and happily for you, unless something drastic happens, Reading are not a team who have been uh, proponents of quick counter attacking football, uh, you know, such that I think would hurt you. I just think that, that the numbers that you guys have going forward is completely overwhelming and bamboozling to opposition defences, and I think that you also have better individual players than Reading. I think in this type of game, that's what makes the difference. And I expect to see, as boring as it is, picking the two favourites, Fulham play Sheffield Wednesday at Wembley. And what a day that'll be on Monday the 29th. Well, hopefully uh, for Fulham, that is the case. Although I'd quite like Huddersfield in the final if I'm being truly picky. But to be honest, <laughs> I just take Fulham uh, being there. Ali, uh, can you let anyone know uh, about your podcast? Because for me, it's an essential listen uh, as a Football League fan. And I'm sure it will be to everyone uh, that listens to Fulhamish as well. Yeah, well, mate, we certainly think so. Um, we're uh, we're trying our best to bring the EFL sort of uh, as a as a... As a general three leagues, not just focusing on individual teams, uh, we try and bring it the the exciting coverage that we think it deserves. Having having lost, we are going up, which was previously a fantastic podcast. Uh, we are not the top twenty pod. Uh, we can be found on Twitter at NTT Twenty Pod and on SoundCloud and iTunes and all the usuals. The most exciting thing uh, for fans who might be listening and, and want a little more, as I say, general view of things, where you can you can. You can subscribe because, well, sometime this week we will have our own playoff preview podcast. Uh, We've got exciting guest Tom Barkley, who's a reporter. Oh, I know Tom. He's a nice guy. Yes, very, very nice guy. And Richard Foster, who quite literally wrote the book on the playoffs. So we'd be very grateful for anyone to tuning into that. And we hope and think that we'll have a very interesting preview podcast up. Brilliant. Well, we're sure that most Fulham fans will be, you know, keenly excited for, for any playoff previews they can get their hands on, Ali. So thank you very much for coming on with us. 
No problem. Thank you for having me, guys. Take it easy. You're listening to the Fulhamish podcast. We're live here at Craven Cottage. Thank you to Ali for speaking to Jack and I earlier this week. Uh, interesting, he went for a Fulham Sheffield Wednesday final in his prediction. Uh, I don't know if he was just playing to the home crowd. Playing to the crowd, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, spoke a lot of sense, though, and I think sums up what a challenge this playoff's going to be and just what an amazing occasion these four semi-finals plus the final are going to be to watch. The, the eyes of the world is actually going to be on it, which is quite crazy to think when you've been in the championship and the pressure is off in that kind of sense, often. I saw a funny tweet earlier this week that was uh, went along the lines of the next two weeks is where a lot of Premier League fans bec- suddenly become experts on the championship. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess... I remember watching the playoffs when we were in the Premier League and it was it was always something that I took great interest in. So, But I never thought actually Fulham would ever be in it because obviously we were just in the Premier League. So it's it's crazy to be here now, but a lot of fun. This is when it's fun to be a football fan, isn't it? Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe enlighten that with a touch of the old ecstasy and the heartbreak in, in this one. And I think it's there was a, there was quite a good advert on about how it was three three heartbreaks and one ecstasy earlier in the week and I was like that is really hard there are three quite good sides here who are going to fail it and you know the Slavisa said he was like as simple as that we've got one in four chances not there's no favorites form goes out the window this is a cup draw and you know it's one of those things where we now have to perform to the levels we've been performing at and we've seen Fulham you know not perform in the games that we needed them to perform in before it's not something that you know, I'm 100% sure it's going to happen. We watched those Wolves and Blackburn games, and yes, we were tired, and yes, there were lots of games building up to it, and yes, there are mitigating factors, but ultimately, we didn't play well enough in those two quite crucial games. Conversely, though, I would say that, yes, there, there were those two games where we didn't perform to our full potential. Yeah. For those reasons, we're not entirely sure, but many other occasions in the last four or five months, we have totally risen to the occasion yep. in massive crunch points I mean when you look at that Newcastle away game where we were kind of oh this can go either way absolutely blitzed them absolutely blitzed them tore apart the team who were runaway leaders at that point yep. before Brighton came back at them and but I do I do I've got to you know it's not a foregone conclusion at the moment and every team that we're facing in the playoffs or that are in the playoffs have all had horrendous performances in the last few months uh, you might say oh maybe not Sheffield Wednesday but it wasn't that long ago they lost to Brentford 3-1 uh, at Hillsborough in, in a terrible performance mm. and one of really poor run of form so we can't beat ourselves too much I think that, about that. I think that um, sorry I believe that a lot of people will focus purely on our form and our form does say that in the last three months that we've got 39 points from a possible 48 or how many how many points we've actually yeah. got and we're, we're we're the leaders in that sense and i think reading are out of the top four actually bottom of that table on 30 points um but they're not up up in third by accident by any stretch of the imagination when i have seen reading this season they have been a bit up and down but that's not to say they are a good team and they had, did only finish outside the automatic promotions by not a huge yeah, not a huge end, long way yeah. I think one of the important things to remember is that every fan of these four teams is going to quietly fancy their chances. You know, there's, there's, there's all very well and good saying, oh, I don't think Fulham are going to win. But everyone kind of fancies it, if, if we're honest. But if you're a, Wen- a Reading fan, you're saying everyone's written us off all season. You know, we've been lambasted 
by many people who have said we don't play good football, you know, we're not a good side, we don't deserve to be where we are. They're like, we're here for a reason and they'll, they'll believe that, that that reason, that quiet confidence is what's going to carry them in. Huddersfield started the season unbelievably and we know that when they play, they can really play. And if you're a Huddersfield fan, all you need you need to say is, look, if this team turns up for three games, you know, the likes of Casey Palmer, Izzy Brown, they turn up on a game. They're going to tear anyone's defence up, like a new one, because they're unbelievably talented players. And, you know, you could say the same for Fulham. And Sheffield Wednesday, I think, are probably my slight favourites, if, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I think their experience, combined with the fact that they got to a playoff final last year and they've experienced the kind of agony of it already, makes them kind of the, the, team, that, the team to beat. As such, so I think you know Huddersfield could do us a favour. That'd be nice. Yeah, and going back to Wednesday, that I've got to agree with you. Out of the out of the teams, you know, if you look apart from Fulham, like they're the team that I would point out the ones I didn't want to face. But you know, we're pro if we do get through, it's likely that we will end up facing Wednesday. No disrespect to Huddersfield, but going, you know, they did lose that that playoff final, and they managed to keep a lot of their big players. But much of the squad is the same, you know, bar the odd player here and there that they picked up. But much of the squad is the same. So that team have got proven... Um, pedigree. Pedigree, thank you. That team have got proven pedigree getting to a playoff final. Easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's move on to the much-debated uh, Reading FC. Uh, they stand in our way of Wembley under the guidance uh, of Yap Stam. And Jan Kamorgant has been their standout goal scorer. I really liked that line from Ali we just heard. What is it? <laughs> Form is temporary, class is Kermigan. Oh my lord! <laughs> <laughs> it is better. I mean, it's a great line. You can't deny them. That. It's a great line. I just, I, I, I liked Kermigan at Charlton when he was there. And <laughs> We've I now changed his him. name, haven't we? <laughs> Everyone it calls is him Kermigan. Is it actually Kermigan? I've always, well, I'm going to stick with it. I, that's always how I've called him. So <laughs> I'm going to go with it. Um, I liked him at Charlton. I thought he was a handful there, and he's, you know, proved at Reading. One of the things about him is his like a uh, chance to like difficult chance ratio of scored is, is unbelievable is, is madness He's, he puts the ball away from really really tricky positions mm. and I know we're sort of just going over the same ground as Ali to a point but that makes him an extremely dangerous opponent because it means that you can't give him a yard uh, because you know yeah he might not be the most like you know prolific striker in in the division or, or anything close to it but actually the amount of goals he scored from the chances he's been given are high and it means that there is absolutely no room for manoeuvre when it comes to you know Bream and Callas making any sort of mistakes. There's a gap in the market for a new Kevin Phillips in the playoffs isn't there? Maybe at 35 Yanka Morgan could could fill that and yeah. uh, grab playoff it's, winning it's, goals. He's like the anti Musa Dembele who would have loads and loads of chances to score and would only score the tap-ins. Yes, he's exactly the opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> How will Reading approach the game then? Do you expect them to hold tight and hope they can finish this job at the Medeski? Surely that's what they'll be thinking. But then again, the whole cup factor mm. comes into it, doesn't it? We've got to remember that Reading are probably going into this game thinking that Fulham are the underdogs and Reading are the better team, considering if you look at the, the actual positions in the, in the league. And well, they seem to be very, very worried about us. You should have heard that uh, BBC Berkshire show I was on on Monday. That was all they were talking about was if we've got to win it, we've got to beat the best, blah, 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 blah. From what I heard, Reading fans do seem genuinely concerned. And you'll hear that from Harvey later as well. I watched an interview yesterday with uh, Liam Moore 
who's yeah. the Reading centre half. I've always been a big fan. Yeah, he is. We he were linked with him when Leicester were in the championship. Yeah. It was the season that we were coming down. I thought he would have been a good signing. Yeah, he seems like a pretty, you know, a decent centre half. And he said he was talking about the 5 0, and he was like, look, that day we weren't playing particularly well. He's like, we had a couple of players out injured, there was a couple of suspensions. He's like, we didn't play well, we didn't show what we could do. He's like, yeah, we beat them at home. He's like, but that doesn't really matter either. He said, we've got to come into this thinking that we can win. And if we don't do that, there's no point us even turning up. And he was like, there is a quiet confidence in the camp that, that, that we, can, we can do this. He's like, but it's going to be a case of shutting Fulham down and making sure that we manage them appropriately. Uh, when Fulham did beat Reading 5-0 back in December, though, it, it was a, a pretty exceptional afternoon. It really set the tone, I think, uh, for much of the season that we can really beat some top sides in the division. What did Fulham do that day that they should try and repeat on Saturday? I had Chris Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll come on to that in a bit. But personally, I just think that we, our identity was starting to click at that point and we totally shocked a Reading team who were a good, on good form at that stage. They were third or fourth at the time. And I think they probably had a, a very good start to the season and they just weren't ready for how good Fulham could have been that day. And it was kind of a shock to the system. And we only played them uh, like six or seven weeks after that. And they were ready for us at that point. So hopefully that they've forgotten how good we are. Exactly. It was slightly, you know, I was taking the mix to a point when I said Chris Martin there, but there is there is a point to be had that it was at that time that these players like Martin and Johansson really got their first runs into the in the first eleven, and you know Johansson made his full debut three weeks before that in the five nil win at Huddersfield, Mad. and and then he played in that Reading game and was you know exceptional, as was Martin in his hold up play, and we really started to play to people's strengths yeah. rather than their you know to just trying to use Kearney or just trying to use you know, the, the width and pace of Aite and, and Aluko. And I think that it's important to remember that when we play really well, all the parts of the side function together as a cohesive whole. And it's not about whether Tom Kearney has a good day at the office. Tom Kearney had a great day against the, at the office against Leeds and we drew one all. Right? And, and it's very important to remember it's the, it's the rest of the team as well that, that completely need to click if we are to blow sides away, like we did at Huddersfield. Mm. And there's something to be said for making sure that we're all in the right mindset and it's there's no sort of hint of you know negativity in the crowd that day we you know we didn't we did we, we played well to begin with and we got off to quite a good start but there was no there was no pressure on us there was no expectation from the crowd so it was one of those games that we really sort of enjoyed at the cottage the game did also really change on its head when reading went down to 10 it was only i think one nil yeah, and they scored an own goal. It was a bit of a random own goal from Chris Gunther, if I remember yes. correctly. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, yeah. He didn't yeah. kick the ball in came, his own net. I think it came off the top of his head. Uh, sorry, headed, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> um, it, really bizarre. Um, so Great there was finish. one of those points where it took a while to break down and it did only open up once Reading went down. But there was but no... But there, there were so many... Fulham had so many chances. It, it wouldn't have flattered us if we went into half-time at 10-0 up. Like, Reading... It was a mixture of Reading not being at the races and Fulham being absolutely flying. Well, Ryan Fredericks, uh, speaking of tearing someone a new one, uh, gave Jordan, Jordan Beater the worst afternoon of his life. Uh, and he also did uh, the very much the same in the first half of the postponed game at the Medeski. Seemed like Reading learnt their lesson, though, for the third game. And actually, Ryan Fredericks was fairly ineffective that night. Well, he was also out of position. So yeah. there's, yes. there's something to be said for that. But I don't, if I remember correctly, Abita didn't play 
directly opposite Fredericks in the third game. No. I think they switched it out and played someone else in that role who managed to... Uh, Actually, I think Abita might have been injured. Actually, that rings remember a bell. Wasn't he suspended? Yes, he was. He, he was, was suspended. He, was. he got two he yellow got cards. Himself, he got himself a 90th yes. minute yellow card, so he didn't have to play yeah. Ryan Fredericks again. Yeah. Smart we, move. Made, we made that joke at the time, didn't yeah, we? I, yeah. yeah, I'm repeating. Um, <laughs> We can recycle content, Jack. It's the end of the season. It's been a long one. We've done a lot of episodes. You can recycle the odd joke every now and then. And if we don't go up, we're going to have to recycle a lot more next season Yeah, as exactly. Well. You're going to hear the Mostly same... Mostly the match reports. <laughs> Imagine the match previews. Wow. You're going to hear the same old stuff next season if we don't go up. Uh, so uh, the other day, uh, Yapstam, quite surprising this, said in his press conference uh, he doesn't know if he'll be at the club next season, Premier League or otherwise. Quite strange that he'd have said that before such a big game I think if that had been Slavisa Jokanovic we'd have been fuming maybe he looked at Steve Bruce last year at Hull because he pretty much did exactly the same thing this wow. time last year before the playoffs and they went up and then Steve Bruce left yeah Steve Bruce was good to his word though <laughs> yeah he did actually just leave I think he's heard that the Barcelona job's on the line if you can, if you can listen to what Reading fans are saying about Yap Stam apparently he's <laughs> going to get the Barcelona job back. <laughs> Uh, but both teams on good form, and we mentioned this on Monday's episode, Reading are top of the form table for the last 10, Fulham are top of the form table for the last eight. Everything else. To eight, six, yeah, exactly. 12, 15, yeah. 25. Um, but, I mean, we've kind of said it, but statistics can only point to so much in this game. It's who has the bigger bottle on the day well, for a lot of it. Or as Liam Moore said yesterday, who has the bigger balls? And he went, oh, can, can I say that? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, it's all right, Liam. Say whatever you want, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we have editing. Yeah. It'll be okay. But there was a very interesting article. I posted it on the Fulhamish podcast Twitter. Uh, I think it was yesterday now uh, by 442 and all the statistics about the playoffs. It was a really, really fascinating read. And in summary, it seemed to say that actually... Good form into the playoffs doesn't count for too much, nor does past record. Uh, both of those things kind of balance themselves out. I know maybe on aggregate Fulham have a better record yeah. this season against Reading, but it's one win each. Um, but what actually really, really um, looks good statistics-wise for Fulham is that teams that burst into the playoffs late tend to have a really good record uh, in the playoffs and I can't actually remember the other statistic that was in there as well it was uh, the results against the other that's other it teams. the uh, results against the other teams in the playoffs generally if you have a good record against those teams uh, that often bodes well into the playoff campaign and again Fulham have a very very good record uh, against the teams well in, in the entire top six uh, excluding Brighton yeah um, so I think that I was looking at this yesterday as well and Fulham are against the other five teams in the top six Fulham have the best record with I think 19 points gained but very very close behind is Reading with 17 points wow that's amazing given how poor they've been in so many of those yeah, games I know it's amazing they've won pretty much every single game at home yes. and lost every single game away quite convincingly I mean the Fulham 5-0 is their worst but then they've lost away at Huddersfield like 4-1 the only one that I think they actually won against Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday, Wednesday. Interestingly, Fulham and Reading are the only two teams of the playoff four that have won against every other team in the playoffs this season. Mm. It's, so, it's, 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 it's too close it, to it's call. It's too close. I mean, the, Huddersfield are so... And if you just look at that, mm. you'd think they're a poor team because I think they've only picked up eight points or something, you wow. know, which is quite low when you think about it. Um, but then they are no mugs after all. I, I you know... It, and it did say in that it did say in the article above all those other things the the one one defining overall 
statistic was that the team that finishes third twice as many times than the other teams, they go they go up. Yeah, it's a huge um, psychological advantage, I think, and it's definitely a myth that it's not an advantage to, uh, to have finished third. Uh, it's actually one of the questions that I asked Harvey McMillan, uh, who is a Reading fan. We've had him on Fulhamish podcast uh, before, lovely bloke. Uh, I started off by asking him, though, uh, what Reading's record in the playoffs is like? Not fantastic, to be honest with you. Um, we, we've relied on going up automatically when we've gone up to the Prem before. Swansea, we lost to um, 2011, I think it was. I should really know. But yeah, we lost to Swansea. And then we've we've had a couple of stints uh, in the playoff semis where I know we lost to Burnley in the past as well. So, I mean, the playoffs aren't our normal way of going up. In fact, I can't remember the last time we did go up via the playoffs, if we ever have. don't think we even have. So, um, yeah, play, playoffs aren't our preferred choice of escalation through the through the football pyramid. So being third place in the table, uh, it's a bit of a myth that it's a bit of a poison chalice entering the playoffs in third place. There's lots of actually sort of statistics that prove actually you have more of an advantage at finishing third. But are Reading fans worried about the pressure of being the top team going into the playoffs as far as the table is concerned? Um, I wouldn't say we were we were worried at the fact we finished third. I mean, we're very proud of the fact we finished third and we, we can't believe it. You know, we're pinching ourselves with the third best team in the championship. Um, the main issue with, with finishing third is the fact we've got you as a result. Um, Fulham, is, Fulham is the team we didn't want. Um, you know, of the three that are there, you're in form. Um, we're also in form. It's going to be a fantastic game, but I, I really do think the winner of our game will be the team that go up. Um, so that, that Fulham game is a really tough one, and we were partly hoping that we'd end up with with Wednesday or Huddersfield, but but that's the way it goes. But in terms of a, a disadvantage in finishing third, I wouldn't call it that at all. And you know, we finished third, we deserve it, and we're very very happy that we finished there. You were really on great form ending the season. You've got the best record in the last 10 games uh, this year. What's that been down to, this run at the end of the season that's defied the odds? Because I think lots of people thought that you were going to be the team that tripped up going into this final furlong. Yeah, and I think I think that's part of the reason why we didn't. When you get a lot of people writing you off saying, oh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna bottle it. They'll be the team that bottles it in the playoffs, etc., I think when a team's hearing that, and certainly a team like Reading, who have been absolutely built on character um, by Yapstan, it, it makes the team even even more, you know, want to push and make sure that that doesn't happen. You know, we want to prove the people wrong. We have done, and it's great. And and what's what's interesting, as you said, is the fact that we are, as you know, if there was a table made for the last ten games, we'd be top, you'd be second. So, you know, it, it does go to show it's been a very good end of the season for both sides, which I think is why it's going to be a really, really interesting playoff semi between between us lot and you lot. What are the key players then for Fulham fans uh, to watch out for on Saturday and Tuesday? Everyone's talking about Yank and Morgan. He's the uh, main threat, right? Yes, yeah. He's just he's been in a couple of championship team of the seasons I've seen on Twitter. It's fantastic. I mean, he scored 18 goals for us. Um, we haven't had a player score that that many goals in years. I think Lafondra was the last, and he <laughs> scored 14. Wow. And that was about about four years ago or something like that. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been really, really fantastic this season. He was a bit off the ball last season, um, but this season, changed man, loads of goals. His form in recent games has been fantastic, which is great because you want your striker in form, especially going into games like this. Um, Paul McShane is back in training. He travelled with the squad to Burton. Um, be fantastic if we can have him in the playoffs because he really is a, he's, you know, he's our leader. He's a fantastic player. And then you've got people talking about the 5 0 over at Craven Cottage. Okay, fair enough. But we had players missing there. Liam Moore, again, one of our best players this season. Him, Jan Kermigan, and Ali Al Habsi were our three shortlisted for Reading's player of the season. Al Habsi won it uh, because he is absolutely amazing uh, for the second season in a row. And then Liam Moore, Jan Kermigan, both really, really strong seasons from them. And they're definitely players to watch out for. You mentioned the 5-0 and you mentioned that uh, a few Reading players were missing from that day. But do you think psychologically that will have an effect on some of the Reading players? Also, the 4-2 going into last season, uh, they'll turn up at the cottage and they'll be thinking, this isn't a place we like to go. How important do you think that will be? Or do you think that it's a cup shootout, it's a straight shootout the playoffs and the players won't have that in their minds? I'd say the latter. Uh, I just don't think, I mean, when you think of Yapstam, you just don't really think of emotion, do you? You think of, <laughs> well, you certainly don't think of worrying and, and and I think that's something he'll absolutely, you know, instill into the team. Um, okay, we've we've had a couple of bad results. Last season, I wouldn't count that. You know, different manager, different squad, different set of players. Um, this season, yeah, we had players missing missing out, you know, and it was a poor result. But then we lost 7-1 to Norwich and we were 6-1 down at half-time. But since that game, we've, we've won four in the last five. And it, it just goes to show that this team, as I've said it so many times, built on character, is not letting results like that phase them. So I really don't think it will make a difference for us to us at all. We'll go there fresh-headed, ready for a tough away tie, and um, and then just see what happens. I don't think we'll be seeing another 5-0. Is it the hope for Reading, though, uh, with your away form and your amazing home form at the Madstad, uh, if you must insist on calling it that, do you think Absolutely. it's at the Madeski that Reading will win it if you do? Probably, yeah. Um, again, I've got, you know, the stats are just make this just such an interesting tie. You've got Reading, who are the second best at home in the league, versus Fulham, who were the second best away in the league. So it's a, it's a really, really tough one to call. Fulham score a lot more goals than we do. That's the main thing we worry about. And provided we don't concede at home, I think that's where we'll win the tie. Uh, if we can get, you know, a, a two, even, even better three goal cushion at home over you, that could bode really well for, for us. You know, we're at home second, so we can always see what needs to be done after the away leg first. But I think the key is not to concede, obviously ideally not at all, but not to concede more than more than one or two um, over at the cottage. If we, if we do that, we're really going to struggle. Harvey, I won't get you to make a prediction because I think it's all too tense and it's all too dramatic uh, to put you on the spot like that. We'll see what happens. Uh, best of luck to you. Hope you enjoy watching the two games and uh, may the best team win. Thank you very much, and the same to you, sir. It's Fulhamish Podcast, Sammy James, Farrell Monk and Jack Collins here at the beautiful Craven Cottage on Thursday afternoon in just 48 hours' time, lads. The ground's going to be filling up 
for that playoff semi-final first leg. Buzzing. Uh, they've only just finished mowing, mowing the beautiful pitch here. It seemed to. I seen. I was like, they're doing it so slowly and so meticulously. They've got one mower, and then another one follows closely behind. I thought they weren't going to finish before the game. <laughs> it's like a carpet out there. They've done an absolutely exceptional job on that pitch. And I you can never run out. <laughs> there are a couple of balls in the nets although I think there are too many cameras and people watching uh, for us to be able to get away with it and actually as we speak uh, the two ground staff are taking down those very nets that I was talking about so there goes our kickabout yeah no goals for me today I'm yeah <laughs> I'm not really wearing the right footwear as well <laughs> just putting it out there I've scored a goal at Craven Cottage guys. Right, I've scored a goal at Craven right. Cottage right in that spot just there it was offside it probably was. It was honestly the worst goal of all time. I shinned it from a yard. <laughs> God. Um, so, I've kind of asked how you see the game going, but what I haven't asked you is what lineup you would choose uh, for Saturday if you were Slavisi Ikanovic. We obviously saw him make quite a few changes uh, for the Wednesday game. Uh, do you expect any of those changes to stay in place for Saturday, or do you reckon he's going to revert to the kind of strikeless system? Um, that proved so, so amazingly uh, in the few games before the end of the season where we really booked ourselves the place in the playoffs? I suspect he'll probably revert back to using Chris Martin again. That's really? that's the only That's the only change I envisage that he does. I mean, it's not going to be a huge surprise if he doesn't, but personally, I believe that he'll he'll go with Chris Martin up top, and I think we'll just see the usual suspects around with, with the only one that I would say that might change is whether he plays Sessegnon or Aite. Mm, interesting. Would you pick Chris Martin, though, if you were Slav? Uh, I know you love yourself as a football manager. You're my manager <laughs> uh, of our 11-a-side uh, football team. You've got the credentials. You've got the suit on. Would you pick Chris Martin? <laughs> Less said about the results, the better of that team. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I personally, I think I would pick Chris Martin. Okay, interesting. Jack J. Collins. I'm torn on this one because I, what well, much as I like Chris Martin up front, I'm not 100% sure how you leave Niskan's Cabano out after his performance up at Sheffield. And I know it was against a weakened side, and I know there wasn't anything riding on the game, but Cabano was absolutely unreal. Um, and some of the, the touches and little tricks he he did in, on, on Sunday were sublime. And I, I'm not sure how you could leave him out of the starting lineup. So for that reason, I'm going to maybe, maybe leave Martin out. And go with what Cabano up top. Cabano up top. Okay, interesting. You're handsome on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then and then who do you have in the three behind uh, in that pocket? Obviously, it seems like Kenny is an absolute given in the number ten role. Uh, but how about on the left and the right? Because that has changed all season. Could be Sessegnon or Ayite. To be honest, I'll play Ayite up front. Okay. Play Ayite up front. Cabano on the left and Luca on the right. Okay, interesting. And no place for Cess in the. No place for Cess for me. And not even at left back? No, definitely not at left back. Okay. Of all the places he's going to play. He also, uh, Cabano and Malone were excellent together yeah. on Sunday and really did link up well. And while Scotty Malone has many faults, which, of which I'm not going to go into right now, he has played quite well uh, the last couple of games and has looked reasonably competent defensively, apart from dribbling across his own box. And I thought it was a great piece of play. Has, yeah. has looked reasonably competent at left back and has put up some really, really good runs. And I'm going to suggest that he keeps his place. Yeah, I've got to agree. I, I mean, Malone has come into a bit of stick. I would say a little bit unnecessarily. I do think. I mean, he's he's been a surefire starter the whole season, bar a few games, and um, the the reason why he's starting at left back is is no mistake. You know, it's not by accident that he's he has held down that left back position from strong competition from. 
a hugely talented Ryan Sessegnon. Um, I think he's done. I think he's done well defensively. I see him running up and down this left wing right in front of me all day long, and he does well defensively. And in attack, he's got an engine that will go all day long. His crossing has. It's a bit wayward. A bit wayward at times, <laughs> but when it hits the money, it's really good. You know that the reason why we do see some wayward crossing is because he does get the ball so often, and you know it's not going to hit the hit the man every single time. But the fact is that he's doing well defensively and getting up in that forward positions and getting into positions where he's going to receive the ball and provide and score goals. That's really good for a left back. So we envisage a lineup then, uh, roughly along your lines. I'm taking it. So Marcus Bettinelli in goal. But Sammy, you told me you wanted David Button back. <laughs> Shh. Don't make up lies. Now, now we're here. Do you want to take Ivan's job and you can do it here? In goal. <laughs> yeah, I could actually. <laughs> while he's not looking. Yeah. Um, so Marcus Bettinelli in goal. And then, hey. Yeah. <laughs> we can't have that for 11, Farrell. That would <laughs> <laughs> take far too long. Uh, then we obviously so have uh, Malone at left back and then probably Ream and Callas in the middle. Almost definitely. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. Probably. Uh, Fredericks come back in at right back despite Dennis Adoy's very good performance at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, but Fredericks might have to play uh, Obita, so we can't we can't deny him of that opportunity <laughs> <laughs> again. Um, I think I heard on the way up here that um, it's almost 99, well, 110% going to be Callas and Reed because both Sigurdsson and Madel might be out for Saturday. Okay, so there's not much provision at centre-back should one of them pick up a knock. Kevin McDonald loves it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then speaking of him, probably uh, obviously it'll be him and, uh, K, and Steph Joe uh, patrolling in front of the defence. And then this is where our lineups vary. Tom Kearney is a fairly standard one at number yep. 10. Um, Jack, you've gone for Ayite up front uh, with Aluko and Cabano. Uh, Cabano on the left and then Aluko on the right. Uh, and Farrell, you've gone for Martin up top. And then yeah. who would you have uh, in those wing-back positions? Sessegnon, you said, and Aluko? No, I think I'd go uh, Ayite and Aluko. Ayite I, I feel Aluko. like Aluko is a 100% right winger. He's a, an absolute... Uh, he's one of the fulcrums of the team. I can't imagine that he would drop no. Aluko. Um, I think real the, the real position to look out for is the striker and the, the left wing. Both. And I would I would go with Aite and Martin up top. Well, yeah. amazing that we have so many options, and we've spoken about it before. That no that one's is. even mentioned Piazon. I did briefly say yeah. his name, but exactly. he has for, uh, well, since he came back from injury. Not that he's a bad player. He's, he, he even when Slavica has had to chop and change it a little bit. I can't. I, I can't remember when Piazon has started apart from Sunday. He did quite well on Sunday. It was quite good. Yeah. But I just, just. I just can't find a spot for him, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, boys, I've asked you about uh, what lineups you reckon. I'm going to give you a minute or two though uh, before I ask you your, for your predictions for Saturday. Uh, in the meantime, Jack caught up with uh, an old friend of the pod. Yeah, we spoke to our friend David Preston at the Wizard Harry who um, was here at the cottage with us and we had a little chat about what his thoughts were about Saturday's game. So I'm here with David Preston down at the cottage and we're here discussing what's going to happen on Saturday. So welcome David, welcome back to the show, shall we say. Thank you, Jack. It's great to be here at the actual cottage itself. So yeah, awesome. Indeed, and you've been doing some work with Skybet today, uh, recording at the cottage. You've been on the pitch. Yeah, um, I'm not 100% sure where it's going to be distributed, but uh, I was just outside the cottage. It's a beautiful sunny day here. And um, yeah, it was, it was awesome to be out there and just sort of picture what's going to come on, on Saturday. Definitely. And how do you think this one's going to play out? What's your uh, 
immediate sort of reaction to, to the first leg against Reading? I think it's a tough one because we have been not as good at home and they've been pretty decent away from home but I think our recent climb in home form has, has been good and putting form aside it doesn't matter now it's a whole new ball game it's a cup tournament and the fact that we're at the cottage which is going to be sold out guaranteed um, I think home or away it's going to be good at home because of the fans and our form is great away from home so yeah, definitely. And, you know, one of the things about facing Reading and coming through that game was that we didn't have to play at 12 o'clock on a Sunday. Evening kickoffs always mm. special down the cottage with the sun sort of setting in the background. Yeah, I think it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere on Saturday. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, saw the, I saw the time of the game and I just thought, especially now this time of year, the sun's setting a bit later. So the atmosphere is going to be unbelievable on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. Definitely. And with our away form being so good and Reading's home form being so good, it's an interesting one we were discussing mm -hmm. you know, with, with different people about whether it's maybe an advantage to have the second leg away from home, even if that means being in sort mm -hmm. of you know, foreign territory, as you will. Yeah, exactly. It's, I actually mentioned in the interview that I was doing with the lads before this, um, that our home form, uh, our home league position is, is like mid-table and our away league performance is actually second. Um, so going into this, I almost thought it was an unfair advantage. Like, why would they do that, putting us at home first? And then I went back into the other picture and I was like, oh, this is just the way it's meant to be. You yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, and the fact that there's no away girls rule as well, I think it's a huge advantage for us. We're going to be just as good as home as we are away because as bad as our home form was in the beginning, it's gotten so much better at the right time. So home and away, I think we're going to be equally as good. Definitely, and I was interviewing Marcus Bertinelli on the website today about how when Brentford scored against Fulham, he heard mm. the entire Hammersmith end roar behind him, and he was exactly. like one of the best moments I've ever had in football. As yeah. in, that's going to be such an advantage for us on Saturday evening, you'd imagine. Exactly. I think if you look at the club from top to bottom, from ownership right down to the players to the fans, there's been this real togetherness uh, this season. Um, so we've got our part to play on Saturday, and I know that we're all going to be there with our numbers and our voices. So. And if I had to push you for a prediction for Saturday's score? Uh, I think on Saturday we will most likely keep a clean sheet. I think we'll score at least You're an goal. optimistic man. A I clean know, sheet. I know, full of... I know. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> okay, you've persuaded me. Uh, two, probably a 3-1 then. 3-1. I was going to say 2-0, but we'll say a two-goal difference at 3-1. Uh, 3-1. Thank you very much for being back with us, David. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Interesting there then, David Preston, a friend of the pod, you'll recognise his voice, his very distinctive voice uh, from our Fulhamish phone-in uh, about a month ago now and uh, so many people said how much they loved uh, hearing uh, from David so as he was here today we thought only right that we had to get him uh, back on the podcast. So then, David said 3-1, I'm going to put you in the unenviable position, I'm not going to get you to predict the second leg, we're just talking Saturday here uh, and Mr Farrell Monk, I will start with you. I'm going to go for a nervy 2-1 win. A nervy 2-1 win. Thank God way goals don't count. <laughs> I'm going to go for a bold 4-1 win. Goodness me. We hate clean sheets. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do clean sheets. Um, as ever, I feel like it's my natural position in the podcast. I'm going to go in the middle and I'm going to say 3-1 to Fulham. And I think that will be a terrific day's work. Uh, if we can go to the Medeski uh, with a two-goal advantage. A ream brace. Oh, exactly. I'm actually thinking David Button's going to come off the bench and get all three. <laughs> I'm saying a ream hat-trick 
followed by Ryan Fredericks, his first goal from the club from the spot. <laughs> and, and who's this? Is it Ryan Tunnicliffe has been recalled? <laughs> One can only dream, Farrell. One can only dream. Well, thank you for listening to today's Fulhamish Extra, uh, this extra special podcast that we've cooked up for you live from Craven Cottage. It's been an honour, actually, to present the podcast from Craven Cottage. It's been uh, quite surreal, uh, very enjoyable at the same time. Uh, We'll be resorting to normal ways on Monday, back in the studio, uh, for what will be a review of the Reading game and then a preview to the second leg of the Reading game. It will literally be the middle of the storm in between the two matches. The eye of the storm. The eye of that very storm. A playoff semi-final storm uh, that will get underway here on Saturday. If you're off to the game, enjoy it. If you're watching on the telly around the world, uh, then hopefully the boys will bring you the results wherever you are. Thank you for listening. Uh, Farrell and Jack, we'll see you both on Monday. See you later, Sam. See you guys. Thank you.